0: All right, all right. Well, everybody, uh, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Seriously, to you guys. If you need a seat, I know we're getting a little packed in this room. Uh, For whatever reason, nobody ever sits in the front row. So uh, it probably has something to do with me, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. Uh, Hey, it's so good to be back. I had a rare Sunday off last week. Thanks for giving me the week off. I appreciate it. Uh, I was at the beach with my two kids, uh, two older kids, actually. I have three kids now. Uh, I should remember that. Uh, <laughs> but I appreciate the week off. I'm so excited to be back with you. And we're in the middle of this uh, series that I've just loved so far. Uh, we're calling I Like Jesus, comma But. Uh, this idea that so many of us in this room and in our culture, our friends, uh, they, they like the idea of Jesus. His teachings, uh, his life seems pretty cool, uh, but there are barriers uh, to getting there. Uh, The first week I talked about this idea of, I like Jesus, uh, but I don't like church or religion. Uh, Last week we talked about this idea, I like Jesus, but God seems harsh or he seems mean. And this week I am super excited uh, because we're talking about this concept, I like Jesus, but I don't want to be weird. (laughs) I don't want to be weird. Um, and when we say a word like weird, it's a tricky word, right? Because in our culture, uh, weird is actually a good word in a lot of cases, right? Like we like uh, uniqueness. We like individuality. Uh, I was at my uh, the place I go get my haircuts recently, and on the wall it said, you do you, you know? That's the common phrase. You do you, you be you. We like uh, individuality. We love that. Uh, So, as a primer for our talk tonight, I thought it'd be good to define uh, good weird versus bad weird, okay? (laughs) Uh, Because there is good weird that we like, and then there's bad weird, okay? Uh, So let's play this game together, good weird versus bad weird. Here's good weird. is sort of like uh, a local, uh, a locale, like a cultural weirdness. I got a picture of uh, one of my favorite cities, uh, Keep Austin Weird. We have that picture, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you've ever been to Austin, they're proud of this. They say, keep Austin weird. It's a pretty weird city. Uh, Portland, I think, says this now. Uh, but even our very own San Francisco, really weird, right? <laughs> uh, I was in Oklahoma not too long ago, and someone was like, oh, yeah, I visited San Francisco. And my first day there, I saw people riding on bikes without clothes on. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's like a normal day in San Francisco. Uh, yeah, San Francisco's weird, and we like it. That's a good weird, right? Good weird, okay, bad weird uh socks and sandals, dad's with socks and sandals. let's get show a picture of that, okay, that's just bad weird, right uh that's not good, that's just weird, and I will admit to you uh the the more I get into this dad life thing uh and I really grow into my dad bod more and more, <laughs> uh I gotta admit to you, I just don't care about what uh, how I look and what people think. So there's a part of me, I look at that picture, I'm like, I could totally see myself wearing that in a few years, (laughs) just picking up my daughter from school, and she's, you know, embarrassed. But to be clear, that's bad weird, right? Okay, so good weird, here's another one. Good weird, there can be good weird when it comes to, like, art, right? Uh, Like music, like, man, I love this band, they're so weird. They're so good. Uh, like the band, like I liked Coldplay before they were cool, like when they were weird, right? Uh, or there's there's like movies or TV shows. Uh, someone had told me to watch the, the show Black Mirror on Netflix, and the way they got me to watch it, they are like, you'll love it. It's so weird. And I was like, oh, dude, I'm in. I'm going to watch that. So that's good weird, right? Good weird with art. Uh, uh, so here's another bad weird. This is bad weird. Uh, I heard a Christian artist uh, talk about growing up in Sunday school, and the Sunday school teacher was trying to teach them about sin and the effects of sin. So he brought some popcorn for the kids to eat, and when they're getting excited and they're about to take a bite, he said, oh, by the way, I did put some paint in the popcorn uh, like to show like, how deceptive sin is which is crazy, but then he's like, but don't worry, I brought cupcakes as well, so here's some cupcakes, and they started to take bites, and he's like, oh, by the way, I did bake some cotton in it to, like, show them about sin and the effects of sin. That's bad weird. (laughs) That's just, that's borderline illegal, I'm pretty sure. That's weird Christian stuff right there. Okay, Uh, so last one, good weird uh, sort of going off the cultural thing again, there, we all have, like, our own family intricacies or ethnicity intricacies. Um, at our retreat, we were talking about how, like, uh, some people in Brazil like to eat their, their pizza with ketchup and mayo. Yeah, yes. Okay, so, yes, exactly. Uh, it's good weird, I guess. Uh, and then someone there was from Germany, and they were like, for breakfast, we eat... Uh, pretzels and sausages you know that's a weird one for me I'm from Oklahoma and we eat this thing I call it lovingly I call it oaky sushi and it's basically it's a dill pickle uh, like a piece of a dill pickle uh, surrounded by cream cheese and then with a slice of dried beef around it and it looks like a sushi roll and we eat it and it's so good it's so good it, it, someone said no, and you're wrong. Uh, so this is supposed to be good weird, okay? So we all have our weird. Like that's a good weird. Last bad weird. Uh, this would be another Christian thing. We don't have a lot in the Bay Area, but like churches around the country do these church signs, and they have these sayings. And I looked at a bunch of them. I picked a couple of good ones. If the devil is offering you a treat, it is a trick. <laughs> That's bad weird, man. That's bad weird. Okay, one more. Some of these were inappropriate. I'm not going to show them. Life is cray-cray. Try Jesus. He is the way way. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, that is bad weird. Bad weird. So tonight, my friends, obviously, we are talking about the bad weird. Uh, I like Jesus, but I don't want to be weird. Christians have a stigma for being bad weird, right, for being awkward, uh, being a little out of touch with the world, unrelatable to real life. We sort of have our Christianese. We have our own jargon, our own sayings, our own language. Uh, For years now, when I go to get haircuts, I dread this part where they ask me, hey, what do you do? (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh, okay, should I tell them I'm a musician? No. So I inevitably, I tell them I'm a pastor. And uh, sometimes, no joke, they'll have a confession time where they'll tell me all about their life. Uh, sometimes they just stop talking to me. Uh, but a couple of years ago, one of the people cutting cut my hair said, Oh, that's interesting. Like, you seem pretty normal. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So the question tonight, does being a follower of Jesus mean that we have to be weird? Do we have to be out of touch? Do we have to be unrelatable? Uh, And tonight, there's some good news and there's some bad news. It's one of those kind of situations. Uh, The good news, the answer is no, okay? The answer is no, uh, but also the answer is yes. (laughs) Okay, here's the big idea tonight. Uh, To follow Jesus, uh, you don't have to be weird, but you do have to be different. To follow Jesus, you don't have to be weird, bad weird, but you do have to be different, or rather, you will be different if you follow Jesus. Uh, So as we're doing this entire series, uh, we want to focus on the life of Jesus and look directly at Him, Uh, so let's do that together. Uh, If you have your Bibles, uh, if you have some kind of app or these things called paper Bibles, uh, you can turn with us uh, to Matthew 9, uh, verse 10. We're going to show it on the screens as well. Uh, but in Jesus' day, uh, it was common to show your holiness uh, by separating yourself from people that were unclean. There was a group of people called the Pharisees, and many scholars believe the, the word Pharisee actually meant to separate, to be separate. And they would separate themselves from people that were unclean as an act of holiness. They would separate themselves from people that were impure. So as Jesus came along uh, as a potential Messiah, you would think that he would uh, he would separate himself to a great length, that he would really get a far away from impure people to show how holy he was. Uh, but we see this in Matthew chapter nine, as Jesus reclined at a table in the house. Uh, this is what they would do in a <laughs> they didn't have Netflix, they didn't have party games, they didn't have phones. Uh, They would recline together, FAA, it's pretty cool. Uh, Reclined at a table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. We talked about this a lot, tax collectors. uh, You can just use that phrase to say any kind of despised person, any kind of hated person. And sinners, they came and they reclined. They were chilling. Chilling? Is that the right way to use that phrase? (laughs) I keep showing how uncool I am constantly. Do you guys want to chill with me at some point? <laughs> okay, anyways. Uh, They're hanging out with Jesus. they were reclining, and it was the tax collectors. It was the sinners. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? This was a crazy concept to them. Like, why is, he, why is he associating himself with these impure people? That's not holy. Why is he doing this? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus hangs out with the despised, the sinners. Uh, I think we could just call them the normal people. The regular people, because we're all sinners. (laughs) We've all got our brokenness, and he was reclining. He was hanging out with them. Uh, So what does this have to do uh, with being weird, this weird concept? See, Christian weirdness uh, usually originates uh, from isolation, Uh, typically an isolation from the world. Uh, Oftentimes, Christians, we isolate ourselves. We create our own microculture. We have our own phrases, our perspectives, and we separate ourselves from the world. And Jesus did almost the opposite of this. He went into the world. He hung out with the normal people, regardless of their religious status, uh, regardless of what they had done. Earlier in the book, uh, Matthew talks about this concept that Jesus' fame... Uh, was drawing crowds and crowds. He was drawing people nonstop. People, normal, everyday people, were compelled by Jesus. It's not often that bad, weird people attract others. Bad, weird usually repels others, but people were drawn to this man. Uh, In fact, you know who hated Jesus and were repelled by Jesus? As the religious leaders, the authorities of power. Uh, one way to say it is that Jesus was a man of the people, a man of the people. Uh, when I was in college, uh, we had several groups. They were uh, similar to cliques, like in high school, uh, I guess a little more evolved. Uh, but we had, you know, the, the athletes would meet in one section of the cafeteria. Uh, there was like the Greek life group. Uh, there were the uh, academics, I guess you could say. Uh, obviously, that wasn't me. Uh, <laughs> there were uh, what I 'd called the dorm rats, like people that really liked uh, Call of Duty and watching movies and stuff in the dorm. Uh, there's like a group of Christian people, uh, sort of s- uh, segmented groups, right, uh, like happens in any kind of uh, gathering. And there was this guy in my college, uh, his name was Brian. And Brian had come to college uh, to play football. And in his first year, he got injured. And during that process, he, he started following Jesus. He became a Christian. And Brian uh, was so unique. He was so different uh, because Brian would sort of float from group to group. Uh, he was still friends with his football buddies. He actually led a little Bible study with a few of them. Uh, but then he would go from his football buddies, and then he was also part of a fraternity. And, he, you know, he'd go to fraternity parties with them. Uh, but then he'd join us, like the dorm rats. Uh, he would come. He loved movies and video games. One night, I remember we watched The Matrix, the original Matrix. You guys remember that? It was revolutionary. Uh, we watched it three times in a row one night. <laughs> uh, we had nothing better to do, I guess. It was a great movie. Uh, so he would do that with us, and then he would go uh, to the Christian group. Like he He helped lead our Christian ministry. Uh he would go, there was a group of international students that would uh have a boom box outside the library and would break dance. <laughs> and he would go out there and like break dance with them. Uh there was a group of like sort of I guess hippie kind of people that were still doing hacky sack. You guys remember <laughs> hacky sack? <laughs> and he would go and he would play hacky sack. It was fascinating because everybody liked Brian. Everybody was drawn to him, his humility, his humor, his uh kindness. And Brian was not limited uh, to one kind of group, one kind of people group. Uh, He was a Christian, but he drew people to himself. And I learned so much from Brian in those days because I grew up in a microculture where I thought as a Christian, my goal was to separate myself as much as possible to make sure I didn't go to certain parties or I didn't say certain things or listen to certain kind of music. And what I learned as I watched Brian was like, oh, oh, I actually want to enter into the world. Because here's the reality. that He knew all people are our people. All people are our people. Brian uh, drew people to himself, and people were drawn to Jesus. So my question is, is this the reality today? Is this the kind of Christians that we see on TV This is the kind of Christian you remember from your school or the kind of Christians you've encountered at work. Uh, Imagine with me if followers in our day were men and women of the people, people drawn uh, to the combo of humility and conviction that we had, that people were drawn by the love and compassion that we lived out, by hope and joy. Imagine what that would look like. See, somewhere, somewhere along the line, Christians got it backwards. Uh, we sought to create our own crowd, our own culture, and we forgot that all people are our people. So, following Jesus doesn't mean you have to be weird. We're talking about bad weird. You don't have to be weird. If anything, I would say this. Following Jesus would make your life compelling. And would draw people to you. So, you don't have to be weird, but, but, you do have to be different. Earlier in the book of Matthew, uh, Jesus gives the most famous uh, sermon in history. Uh, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And people gathered together, and as they gathered and they listened to him, uh, he said shocking, countercultural things. Uh, He said some things that just blew people away. And so I just want to show you some quick excerpts from the Sermon on the Mount. And a lot of you, you've heard these before, but put yourself uh, in the situation of hearing this for the first time. How crazy this is. The first one, uh, he says this in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. So he says you're blessed. (laughs) You're blessed. When that happens to you and all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. How counter is that? How weird is that? Blessed are you when people do that to you. Then he says this in verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. <laughs> uh, obviously using a little hyperbole right there. I think even a little like uh, I think Jesus had a little bit of comic timing But how weird to hear him say that, to take purity uh, with God so seriously that he says this. And then he says this, uh, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This was common ancient wisdom. But Jesus says this, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, uh, turn to him the other also. Just let him slap you on the other one. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, Go ahead and let, let him have your cloak as well. Totally weird, totally backward, totally countercultural, what he's telling his followers to do. And then he says this. Uh, You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Pretty common type wisdom. But I say, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Still to this day, that's super countercultural, right? And he says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, which is what human beings have been doing uh, for the, for entirety. We've laid up treasures on earth. That's what we do. We accumulate treasures. He says, don't do this. Where moth and rust destroy, thieves break and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust uh, don't destroy, where thieves do not break and steal. Who is this man? Who is this person that comes along and tells his followers to do things completely different, countercultural? See, here's the, Jesus was a man of the people, but he was not like the people. He was not one of the people. He was not weird, but he was definitely not normal. (laughs) Uh, When I was uh, in high school, I've told you guys this before, it might be hard to believe, but I played basketball. Okay, and at one point, this is going to be even harder to believe, but I was invited in my senior year to an all-star game. Okay, uh, lest you think I'm bragging, I went to a super small school. Uh, we, I actually had 30 people in my graduating class. Okay, really small, like the smallest of the small. So I just got invited to this uh, small-town all-star game in Oklahoma. And uh, truly was not a big deal. Uh, we get to this all-star game. Most people, like me from these small towns, were, uh, how you say, short, uh, <laughs> slow, uh, uncertain of why we were invited. Uh, that was the majority of us. And then uh, in walks uh, this giant of a man. I actually have a picture of him. He's a real person. His name was Kevin Bookout. Uh you can't see it here, but he was a giant. He ended up going to play for the University of Oklahoma, played in the pros for a while. And so we were all collected together, small town shorties like myself, and Kevin Bookout walked in. And uh, I don't know if you guys have been watching the World Series, but uh, or the like the playoffs. I also have a picture of Aaron Judge and uh, Jose Altuve. Uh, this is this is real life. Aaron Judge is like a huge baseball player. Jose is, is on the smaller side. And I just love that picture. This is how all of us looked compared to Kevin Bookout. Uh, there used to be a Sesame Street song that said, uh, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> and as we started this practice with this all-star game, it was like, uh, one of these things is not like the other. This guy's like 10 inches bigger than us. And we would try to shoot. And he would just stand there, like not entertained at all, and just blocking our shots. He was not like us. He was obvious. He was different. And this was Jesus. He was a man of the people. He was a man of the people, but he was obviously different. He lived differently. His way was different. He was not weird, but he was not normal. Make no mistake, uh, he was radical. He was a revolutionary. See, the things Jesus said uh, and did changed hearts. They changed the status quo. They changed history. We can take Kevin out down. He's done. (laughs) See, here's the thing. You don't get crucified for fitting in, for being normal, for being unseen, You don't get crucified uh, by just being normal. You get crucified for starting a countercultural movement. You don't change history or create a revolution by being normal. So for us, uh, we don't have to be weird, but if we decide to follow Jesus, it will make us countercultural. It will make us different. If we take the things he says seriously and we apply them to our life, we will be countercultural. When it comes to consumerism, this is our world where we consume thing after thing after thing. If we take the things seriously, Jesus said, we will be countercultural because our treasure will not be in things of this world, it'll be things in heaven. When it comes to status, in our world, everyone is striving to be somebody. But for us, if we follow Jesus, we will strive to die to ourselves. We'll strive to serve others. When it comes to achievement, so many find value in what they've done or what they've accomplished. But we, as followers of Jesus, would be known for our love. When it comes to anger, divisiveness, this is our current state. People are angry. They're taking sides, and we would be known for peace and gentleness. When it comes to fear, our world is, is scary. We're full of fear of what's gonna happen. Uh, we would be courageous. We would take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. And when it comes to love, like everybody in our world loves to talk about love. It's a common topic. We love the idea of it, but Jesus talked of a hard, Countercultural love. It's easy to talk about love until you see someone who holds the exact opposite political idealism as you. It's easy to talk about love uh, until you're stuck in a traffic and, so- and someone cuts you off. It's easy to talk about love until your coworker smacks his gum close to your desk. Not looking at you, Mark. <laughs> Mark doesn't chew gum. I'm just making it up. See, love uh, the Jesus way is different. He says, love your enemies. So tonight, my friends, uh, this is the big idea, to follow Jesus. You don't have to be weird, uh, but you do have to be different. If you decide to apply his way, his teachings, you will be different. Uh, About a year ago, uh, most of you will probably remember this and have seen this and heard of this recently, uh, but there's uh, there's a guy named Botham Jean uh, who's a, a man a black man who lived in Texas and uh, one night he was in his apartment eating ice cream and an off-duty cop uh, came to his uh, door thinking it was her own and uh, she shot and killed him uh, Is another example of uh, of a black man being shot by a police officer created a lot of controversy again uh, anger Frustration, hurt, and uh, I can't imagine the feeling. Tragedy, death, that's hard in itself. But to happen like this, unspeakable hurt and pain his family felt. And uh, the trial was going on uh, this past month or two. And you, you might have seen this, but Botham's uh, brother, Brant, uh, 18-year-old kid, uh, he takes his stand And Brant, over the past year, has been hurt and broken and just been in pain about his brother. And Brant did something that started uh, making its way across social media. became viral. Uh, Brant, he actually, I read, he didn't know that cameras were going. He thought the cameras were off. But he uh, took the stand and he wanted to say something. And uh, Brant says this uh, as he's facing the person who killed his brother. He says, I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just, I hope you go to God with all the guilt, all the bad things you may have done. Each and every one of us may have done something we're not supposed to do. If you're truly sorry, I speak for myself. I forgive you. If you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. I don't think anyone can say, I'm speaking for myself, but I love you just like everyone else. I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did. I personally want the best for you. I wasn't going to say this in front of my family, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you because I know that's exactly what both of them would want to do. And the best would be to give your life to Christ. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. I don't wish anything bad on you. And as you can see in the picture, uh, if you've seen the video, then he asked the judge, he said, can I go give her a hug? And he walks down and he gives a hug uh, to the person that took the life of his brother. And as this made the rounds, this created a lot of controversy. Was this like too quick to forgive somebody? Uh, Was this even fair with all that's happened uh, in, in the black community, the injustice Was this fair? Did this kid do the right thing? It created a lot of controversy. Uh, Needless to say, this was different. This is unthinkable. See, Brandt uh, chose to follow a radical Christ. Whenever he heard Jesus say, love your enemies, uh, he decided to take it seriously. The one who uh, is being unjustly murdered, uh, crucified for his persecutors, Jesus, uh, looks at the people who are crucifying, and he says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I don't know about you, as I watched this video, I instantly realized how different and weird this reaction was. It was an 18-year-old kid, but as I watched it, I sat in tears. I was just crying because I felt again the power of an upside down kind of love, a sacrificial love. In that moment, I was drawn to Brandt. I was drawn to this act of forgiveness. And again, I was drawn to Jesus. I was drawn to this countercultural type of love. So, tonight, uh, maybe you're in here and you're not a, a follower of Jesus. You're not a Christian. You're just sort of checking things out. Uh, what I want to encourage you to do is look past uh, all the weirdness that Christians <laughs> do. Apologize for that. Uh, and what I want you to look to is a radical, upside-down, counter-cultural way of Jesus. Maybe you're in here... And uh, like many of us, you, you are a follower of Jesus. You are a Christian tonight. And so some of the questions I want you to wrestle with is what ways uh, do you need to get outside of your current bubble? What ways do you need to get into the world and allow Jesus to help draw people to him? In what ways uh, can you start taking the words and teachings of Jesus seriously? to actually apply it to your life? How can you live out his teachings with your entire heart? That's a question for all of us. So I want to pray, and then we'll respond with the time of just uh, telling God that we want to surrender to him with all that we are. Let's pray together. Jesus, I'm, I'm thankful for this reminder that Brant has given us. That your way, your love, your, uh, your movement is unlike anything that's ever happened in the history of the world. That you tell us to love uh, when it feels like it's the last thing we could do. You tell us to forgive, you tell us to Uh, Be courageous. You tell us to spread peace. Uh, Jesus, would you refresh this vision for us tonight? Many of us have forgotten how revolutionary, how how magical, how radical this movement is of yours. And God, would you refresh that? Would you renew that in our hearts and our minds? That this is what we want to give our lives to. This is why we're in it. It's not about church. It's not about a group of people. It's not about Menlo Church. It's about following your way, your movement. And we would ask that you would spread it more and more because people are desperate and hungry for this life-giving purpose. So Jesus, as we respond, as we finish out this night, uh, would you help us open up our hearts to you? Would you show us the places in our life where we just need to surrender? We need to take you seriously at your word. We need to give our lives for your cause, for your kingdom. So, Jesus, would you continue to work in our hearts? Uh, Would you continue to speak to us? It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand back up together.